0: Welcome to the press one for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdall and My guest this week is Jason Bradshaw. Jason is the best selling author of the book. It's all about CEX. He is a keynote speaker, a chief customer marketing officer at Volkswagen Group Australia. And Jason, welcome to the press one for Nick podcast.
1: Hey, Nick, it's so great to be a guest on your podcast. Thanks for having me and, and hello to your listeners.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get this thing going. One thing that I have and I ask every single guest is what's one thing, uh, and, and you probably go and, and speak and do keynotes all over the, all over the world, and, uh, but what's one thing people might not know about Jason?
1: Well, look, I don't think many people know that when I was just two weeks of age, I was already going into an office every day. Uh, I'm absolutely not joking, uh, I, I was born in a regional town in, in Australia, and at two weeks of age, my mother went, returned to work, and I literally was in a cot in her office. So uh, I've amazing. been around a business a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you, you were trying to retire at, what, 25?
1: <laughs> I, I, I think if I had my time, I'd be trying to retire at eighty, so I could just live the good <laughs> life, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, th- I'm sure that they, they paid you full benefits and, and, and unlimited milk.
1: Unlimited milk, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> that's very cool. Uh, so uh, your role today is the Chief Customer and Marketing Officer. Um, tell me what you do in the current role.
1: Yeah, so as uh, Chief Customer and Marketing Officer for the Volkswagen Group, I have a very large remit. And when I first started at Volkswagen Group, I was the chief customer officer and later added the marketing portfolio. So uh, to, to give you any uh, details around the, the breadth of my role. So I have contact center operations. I have 24 hour customer roadside assistance. Uh, I also have customer IT platforms. So think of CRM systems and anything that is about customer data or facing facing the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have you know, as you'd expect customer research and insights, but I also have uh, perhaps a little bit less expected. I have responsibility for our network training and development team. So uh, the uh, employee training within our dealerships, which of course are all independent franchised businesses. Uh, So that rounds out uh, the bulk of the CX side of my role. So I, I also have some initiative managers within the CX space. Um, and then uh, I have the traditional marketing functions, you know, digital transformation. Um, I say typical digital transformation is definitely <laughs> typical these days. Uh, digital transformation, Marcoms, you know, all the, all the normal things that you'd wrap up under marketing. Um, and as I said, I didn't always have marketing. I, I, that that added to my portfolio about two years ago now. Um, and uh, perhaps controversially, um uh, you know i I insisted that customer was the leading part of my title because I believe uh, and and i 've got many a story where people have uh, disagreed with me, but I believe that if you start with the customer in mind, the marketing will be better if you start with the marketing in mind, mm-hmm. then someone will have to be trying to fix the promise that the company's not ready to deliver
0: yeah yeah that's uh, well said I think if you're going to do um an additional keynote, you could just continue to talk about that.
1: I, well, it's funny you say that. I was a, the closing keynote speaker at the Chief Marketing Officers Conference here in Australia about, oh gosh, eight years ago. And one of my statements right towards the end of my speech was the Chief Marketing Officer should report to the Chief Customer Officer. Well, it was a long time before between drinks before I got invited back. Um, but they have had me back, but it, it took them quite a number of years to get over that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of paused and said, did he really just say that? What's, what's our clause to pay this fellow or not? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 read your book and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the one funny story that um Uh, I had when I first received the book was um, I got it and arrived and went to my front door and uh, we have an uh, Alexa uh, in our garage. And actually um, it had an alert. It said, Hey, you know, obviously it had the the yellow ring. So as I'm bringing the kids in uh, the whole family with the wife is, is, is there. And um, I said, Hey, Alexa, what's the notification? And, the first thing she said, it was, um, "You your package has arrived, and the book is, it's all about sex. And my kids have no idea because they're young enough to not know, but my wife uh, gave me a very interesting look. And I said, it's it's it's, it's a professional book, and, and I'm, I'm having them on the podcast. And I think uh, the first initial thought was, who the heck is uh, he in doing on the podcast? I thought this was a customer experience podcast.
1: Well, I, I have to say that's one of the best stories I've heard around someone receiving the book. I, I'm wondering whether there's something I can do with Amazon to make sure that everyone gets that experience. Because <laughs> it, uh, my, my good friend Jay Bear talks about the power of a talk trigger, and that would absolutely be a talk trigger if uh, if you had that happen happen all the time. I I once gave, I once was the keynote speaker at a conference in Las Vegas, and I was on the opening speaker on the second day. Uh, and, and, of course, the night before they had their awards ceremony. So you had, you had people in the room that had a good night's sleep. You had people that were coming in off the casino floor. You had everything. And it took, uh, you know, I started my warm-up act, if you like, to my keynote. Um, and I don't mention the book until about four or five slides in. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, so today I'm here to talk to you about sex, I had everyone's attention in the room. Uh, I had to quickly clarify that I meant customer and employee experience. But uh, look, if you want to wake up a room in Las Vegas, if you're giving a speech in Las Vegas and you want to wake them up, just say that you want to talk to them about sex. I guarantee you'll get some eyeballs, eyeballs looking at you.
0: <laughs> they, their interest was at least piqued for, for a moment of time until you flip the and they, he, they, they said, I think he spelt that wrong. <laughs>
1: exactly
0: <laughs> that's awesome well inside the book there was a ton of uh, awesome nuggets but um one of them i mentioned that you got into customer service at at a pretty young age uh, so tell me about the time that you turned your parents lounge and dining room into a call center because that's normal
1: look i I think i had a habit of turning my parents lounge room into something over the years so uh at a really at a really young age i um decided that i was going to bottle oil um and sell it at uh, uh, adjacent to something my father used to do and so i literally was sitting on carpet in my parents lounge room bottling oil um you know oil to, to polish wood, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to, to the example I share in the book, um, I, I had started a domestic and commercial cleaning company, and it was going well, but we had office space on a shopping mall. And it seemed a little bit out of place having a, you know, a domestic and co- commercial cleaning company having office space in a shopping mall or on a shopping strip, I should say. And I was thinking to myself, how can I make this more? Uh, how how can I how can I make this uh, make us more money, reduce costs, and what have you? And the reason behind going to the mall was great advertising. We've always got the company in front of everyone, but of course, people rarely came in because it it was basically a call center, uh, and you don't you know you don't go out and pick up your, your fish and chips or your hamburger and decide to get your carpets cleaned or book in your pest control. Um, and so I was thinking to myself, what can we do? And this opportunity presented itself. So I decided that I was gonna turn the front of the uh, shop into a video rental store. This was well and truly before Netflix was a thing. And uh, then I had the problem of where do I put all my telemarketers? So Mum and dad, we've got, very large house. I think we're going to turn the lounge room and the dining room into a call center. And literally, I moved all their furniture out into into, into uh, Dad's shed. I put the desks in. Uh, we had a, a had a phone system installed into the house, and um, the the rest is history. As, as they say, um, it look it. Uh, you know, it certainly was cost efficient. But um, uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever asked the question, but can you imagine being a telemarketer while next to the room you're sitting in, you can smell tonight's dinner being cooked? Right. Like,
0: yeah. So like my question literally. is, yeah, did they get benefits uh, <laughs> where, where they said, hey, you get a home-cooked meal every day?
1: Well, look, they certainly did. Uh, did get their fair share of treats, that's for sure. Whether it be lunches made or baking, or you know, out, out the call center would would start from eight in the morning, so people would be there at breakfast time. So, um, look, I mean, would I do it again? Probably for the right reasons, but it was it was a journey, I have to say. And and kudos to the team members that just rolled with the bunches.
0: Well, I mean, just think of the the team member that said, um, you know, hey, congratulations, you got the new gig. Um, and they're like, great, where do I start? Well, you know, training's at my mom's place. Um, yeah. We're going to start here and you will move into the dining room and, and you can sign the papers in the kitchen.
1: It, it was exactly like that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah. And um, I, 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 gosh, even the neighbors, right? The, the amount, of, amount of traffic that we created in that street just with you know team members there were always you know a dozen cars parked out in front of our house because you know change of shifts it was it was uh, it, it was it was a fun time
0: that's awesome so from moving it back into uh, customer experience or mm-hmm. just experience in general from your perspective why does experience matter
1: well i think companies have have two choices they can every year do things to grow or they can try to save their way to failure. There's really only two things. Now, most companies uh, uh, that focus on experience thrive and grow over time. And think about the taxicab industry and what's happened to to, happen to them. Now, there was nothing stopping the taxi cab industry go, maybe there's a better experience that we could deliver, but they got dumb, fat and lazy and said, there's no competitors. So why would we change? Yeah. And well, I think they understand now why they should have changed. Yeah. And my argument would be that it doesn't matter whether you're you're a solopreneur or you're the leader of a Fortune 500 company. If you don't have a culture of continuous improvement, one that's focused on delivering to an experience that your customers want to talk, away, talk about in good ways, then you really are just making it harder for yourselves to be more successful. You need to spend more money getting people to come and buy your product. You're, you know you have to save your way to failure, as I say. You know you're constantly finding ways to keep the lights on and to keep all the stakeholders happy. Now every Fortune 500 company wants to, you know, report greater profits, they you know, better shareholder return, mm-hmm. yet. The one thing that many of them fail to do is to have a systematic approach on continuous improvement that's focused on the customer. And you know, uh, uh, the research company Forrester does a report every year on the Forrester CX in- index and what a one point improvement in their index would mean across 18 different industries. Yep. And they're talking about billions of dollars of revenue that that's sit on the ground. Sorry. That's a B, you mean? Yeah, B, yeah. Huh. Billions of dollars across 18 different industries. Now, no one says that you know, a company can only, only is allowed to improve 1%. No one says that you know, company X is only allowed so much market share. Why are we leaving this money on the table? You no, know, I think we should be trying to improve the lives of customers, and employees, and the benefit of doing that is a commercial one. But even if you're only motivated by money, which is perfectly fine. That's what some people are. But if that's what you're motivated by, why are we leaving money on the table when there's a better way to do it? And, you know, a way that gives people joy. So everyone wins. And I I think that organizations now more than ever are finding that it's the relationships that we have created over time that have sustained us during the pandemic. And, now, the pandemic has disrupted you know, every industry in different ways, some good, some bad. Yep. And those that have deep rooted relationships with their customers have found a way to a, continue to serve them. But those customers have in turn continued to support them. Yep. And I think that that highlights you know, just the fundamentals of why you've got to focus on experience. Yeah. Yeah. Brand loyalty isn't what it used to be. Um, but you can
0: continue to gain it through that, that Brian loyalty through the consistent, um, experience that you have over time. And, and yeah, you, you're going to not be perfect and you may drop the ball, but it all comes back to the history that they've had with you over that length of time. And that length of time is going to get shorter from my, my opinion, but Mm -hmm. they're still that, that leash quote unquote, where they're going to give you before they say, Hey, I'm out of here. Uh, uh,
1: Or or, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says, Hasta la vista. Exactly. But you think about Amazon. Most of us don't actually interact with Amazon in a person-to-person context. But people trust Amazon. And why do they trust Amazon? Because when Amazon promises to do something, they deliver on it. They're absolutely fanatical around the one-click experience. And yes, there's a commercial payoff for them. They're absolutely fanatical about You know, if we say that it's going to get to you tomorrow, it gets to you tomorrow. And because of that trust element, and one of the things I talk about in the book is, uh, customers, you know, uh, measure their experience on three lenses, one of those being a human connection. And I always say Amazon creates human connections. And the challenge I get back is, but I don't ring Amazon. I don't speak to an Amazon associate. I'm like, no, but you trust Amazon. And what's more human than the emotion of trust? And whether it be Amazon or FedEx with it, when it haps, absolutely has to be overnight, right? These organizations have become famous for delivering on their stated promise to customers and then being slightly ahead of the curve when it comes to their competitors. You know, I think it's a fallacy that organizations need to be 10% better than their competitor. They just actually have to be 1% better because, and deliver it consistently. And that's the key. Being 1% better consistently will win out every single time over someone that's better some of the time. Yeah, yeah. 1% better
0: continuously um, will destroy their competition. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about um, why is feedback so important?
1: So I think we all can relate to the situation where you've sat down with someone and you've said, Hey, Nick, you know, love working with you on the team. Can you give some feedback about me? And then you turn around and say, well, you're a great guy and I love working with you. Mm-hmm. That, that's feedback, but it's not necessarily completely transparent feedback. So I encourage people to find ways to get feedback in multiple ways, but in ways that create safe environments for the person providing the feedback to be really transparent and open and honest with their feedback. Because with that feedback, that's where you're going to find those nuggets of gold, those little things, those 1% that if you focus on them, if you remove those friction points, that you'll turn someone that say a detractor to use NPS language into a promoter. And and it is all about finding both the friction points so that you can focus on fixing them but also celebrating when you've got something consistently right. Because how do you know if you're not actually measuring it and asking for that feedback? And when I say asking for feedback, I'm not talking about the question, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how how much would you recommend us? Or on a scale of zero to five, how satisfied were you? I'm talking about the actual words that people write, not the scores that they give you. Because the real gold is in that, Verbatim statements where they're just pouring their hearts out, saying what they loved or didn't love, and within that, you can find the stuff to double down on because that creates raving fans. All the stuff that you know creates friction, and I would I would suggest that you don't have to fix everything, but you know if you've got a, this cycle of feedback each quarter, each year, you can you can identify some really big friction points. you can start removing and every time you remove them you get a step closer to loyalty yeah so when it comes to feedback maybe
0: tell me a time when you took feedback and turned it into action because from my perspective there's a lot of people that receive feedback and maybe it's not the the clear and transparent and it's it's the hey jason you're you're killing it and uh you know high five and and look forward to grabbing chili with you later but it's Mm -hmm. the honest feedback it's the real feedback that maybe isn't comfortable at all times, but it's what's needed. But how do you take that feedback, maybe give me an example of how you turn that into action? Because I think that's where some people struggle.
1: Yeah, so uh, let's, let's take a, an example that went from the employee world into the customer world. So I was uh, leading a, a large call, uh, uh, transformation project with a, with a telecommunications company and with their call center. And, you know, every year we would ask the team members, you know, how do you love working for us? Uh, And of course, some did and some didn't. And uh, there would always be these things that come through though, like, oh, it's so process heavy. It's the workload's so big, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, we had these metrics that showed that we were meeting all of our customer metrics, you know, answering the calls in, in a certain time, responding to emails in a certain time, you know, uh, how many days to case closure, all of those metrics were, were great. We were an award-winning contact center, but our employees were telling us in the main that uh, there was opportunities for improvement. And so we took, that, we took some of the insights from that and, and some of the feedback was around the process, as i would mentioned. And the process was great. You could literally take someone off the street and they could follow every single step, and they would get to an outcome, and it would be all auditable, and everyone would be happy—or maybe not the customer—but the process would have been followed. Um, and, and, and it was like it was so painfully detailed. You know, press F five on your keyboard, then tab to here. Like it—it it was a process and a work instruction. It, it highly detailed, and anyway, it was. It was a massive document. We took that process and uh, that feedback and the pro- with the process and took a group of team members into a workshop. And that process, which was 100 odd pages long and turned it into a 20-page guide. Mm. In doing that, we also started serving more customers because we stopped taking out waste out of the process. Yeah. So our team members were happy because they weren't getting a work quality audit that said they didn't press F5 in the correct sequence or, you know, some crazy thing like that. Mm-hmm. But because they were actually focused on what mattered, they could serve more customers and give the customers a better outcome because they weren't the process wasn't in the way of them connecting with a customer. Now that organization went through. Uh, some difficult times uh, through competition and what have you, but you know, despite the fact that they had to make, reduce the size of the contact center over time and what have you, be, the employee metrics continued to improve, and so did the customer metrics because the process was changed based on employee feedback to be to enable them to care about the person in front of them as opposed to the computer system, and and. I, I love technology. You know, you, you had your Alexa story. App, Apple holds a keynote and I've got my, my credit card starts to quiver, right? Because it knows that I'm going to be ordering something. Um, you know, whether it be in the corporate world or in the, in the uh, personal space, I, I love technology. But technology should allow people to get away, out from the process and in front of serving the customer. It should make it easier to create a human connection. Yeah. And and for, you know in that example we it started from the employee feedback. We we at Volkswagen Group we just recently launched an augmented reality tool to consumers. That tool is nothing like the tool that we first launched to our team members in training two years ago, and and we've used their feedback around that tool that we originally used. You know we used augmented and virtual reality tools in training and and we have a constant feedback loop and we we listened to what they did and didn't like and used all of that to focus on launching a consumer facing tool that was easy to use that was immersive and accessible and so you know i think that uh, uh you know feedback's important but focusing on on listening to the employee or or the customer and Finding what are those common themes. So, you know, if I think about the employee survey that led to the process change, it wasn't one person talking about the process, it was 35% of them. You know, it, you, you have to play the numbers game, unfortunately. You can't always fix every piece of feedback. But when you do, there is a great payoff, which is more efficient, better customer outcomes, uh, and, and hopefully better employee outcomes.
0: Yeah, I love that story. Um- you know, changing gears, uh, not having action uh, is is uh, can be a little bit dangerous. So, what is the risk from your perspective of status quo?
1: Well, you turn into Kodak or the taxi company, you you will get disrupted. the 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 more you stand still, the more that you are ripe for disruption. And that might be an extreme view. So, the, so the, the less extreme view would be the more you stand still, the more chances your, con- your competitors have to steal that customer. And you don't want to get into the place where you're playing pre- on a price war. Yeah. If, 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 if your experience isn't one that customers want to pay for, then all you have left to compete on is the price. And price is not a winning game when it comes to uh, growing your business because you can always make it cheaper doesn't mean you're making profit yep. but actually creating an experience that people are willing to pay for now and i think there's some examples of where companies perhaps don't focus on the experience but they still have a really loyal customer base but they have a customer ba- loyal customer base because there aren't any alternatives that are viable which again leaves them open to disruption think of think of the subscription tv industry the cable tv industry you now I was, I was just talking to someone the, the other day and I said, there's no reason why those companies couldn't be thriving. But they just wanted to keep on upping the monthly monthly charge and people started to move away. And that's, you know, we all know the story of Netflix and, and other streaming services, which are, which are everywhere. But the thing that's real, that I find really funny in all of that is, you know, if you were paying $100 for your Comcast TV and you decided, no, I'm going to go to Netflix. So you cancel that. Most people, after six months, 12 months, they're still spending $100 on subscription TV. They're not. It's it's not purely to save money. They'll have a Netflix subscription, a Hulu, and then a Disney Plus and an Apple TV. you are probably spending more than $100. So it's not about the size of the wallet spend. It's about the experience, the product, that everything that you were delivering to me no longer delivered value in my life. And someone came along that at least got me as a customer based on a promise that it would be a better life. You know, why do we change jobs? We think they're going to be better. Why yeah. why do we, you know, get the new boyfriend or girlfriend? We think it's going to be better than than, you know, who we had last time. We always as cra- humans crave for something better. So if we're not creating an experience that is is better, people start looking elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh kind of goes back to if if you're creating the friction points and you create those um, increase the friction, they will reduce the, the loyalty to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think that's a, it's an interesting parallel, but um, so I wrap up every podcast with two questions. And the first Mm -hmm. question is, is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer experience and customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at eight AM. What would it say?
1: So, uh, look, the first the first book uh, or the book that I would talk about is a book uh, called "Cult Status: How to Build a Business People Adore." It's by a gentleman, a friend of mine, uh, Tim Duggan. He's the co-founder of a media company here in Australia, and the the thing that I love about about his book, you know, is he. He's not a consultant. He built a business people adore and sold it for an undisclosed sum of money, um, which usually means it's a big number, right? <laughs> um, but uh, in the book, he takes a really practical approach to helping uh, you implement uh, improvements in your business that will lead to, to creating uh, raving fans or, or uh, people that adore your business, to use his language. Uh, so that's by Tim Duggan, Cult Status, and just just a really practical, from experience book that you know he interviews a whole pile of different companies in in the book, and you know much like mine, you can you can read the book and start making improvements tomorrow. You don't need to spend uh, three, you know three years and, and 75 strategy consultants to, to get something out of his book. So Cult Status by Tim Duggan. Um, and to your question, what's the one thing I put on a post-it note, I'm paraphrasing and put on everyone's desk? Mm-hmm. Don't wait for the journey map to be done. Start improving today. So a bit of energy behind that one there, Nick, but I I am sick and tired of walking into companies and they say, we're going to get a consultant to do the journey map. If you don't know enough about your customer's journey to start improving without mapping it out, then you know you've got bigger problems than not having a journey map. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds like you you have some experience with that, huh? Yes, yeah, it's quite a bit.
1: <laughs> and look, there is a place for journey mapping.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, I tend to get some hate mail from people that do journey mapping. There is a place for for journey mapping, but it's not the pl- you don't need one to start improving. Is my yeah. point.
0: Yep. So, so anybody listening that um, is a consultant on journey mapping or an expert in journey mapping, do not send Jason a nasty gram. That is my advice for today. But uh, Jason, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm Jason S. Bradshaw on all the social channels, including uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And my website is jasonsbradshaw.com. Absolutely vital that the, that your listeners remember the S in Jason S. Bradshaw. If they drop the S, then they might be looking at some lovely real estate in California. So unless they're on the market for some some gorgeous out-of-my-price range houses in California, it's jasonsbradshaw.com. And if they go forward slash sign up, they'll actually get the first two chapters of my book uh, with my uh, compliments uh, as a thank you for listening to the podcast today.
0: Very well. And what is the best way to uh, get a hold of your book?
1: Uh, well, all, uh, all good places, uh, ooh, well, all good places, all good books are, are sold, I should say. Uh, I, you know, Nick, you've got a great Amazon story. So if someone wants to come home and, and be <laughs> told that their sex book has turned up, I, I would yep. definitely recommend Amazon. But Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all, all the normal places where you can find good books.
0: Yep. Highly recommend it. Uh, Anybody wants to uh, find another customer experience book and not sure where to go next, uh, pick up. It's all about sex. And um, Jason, thank you so much for your time. I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Thanks so much, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey
0: listeners. Can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash
1: podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.